simple words, wonderful songs of praise and adoration, dependence. My joyful lips will sing your praise. My soul is fed with richest fear. What a song for God's people to sing together as we perhaps reflect on a few days past and look ahead to the week to come. And I'd like to just look with you this evening as we we, we conclude the weekend of our communion services at this prayer of Paul's in Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14 where for the second time in this amazing letter, this letter that just keeps on giving, we hear the apostle break into prayer as he considers the eternal purposes that has been realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, as he considers his calling to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, because he, he can't help himself. And for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. What words, what comfort, and what encouragement for us all this evening as we remember what we've been reflecting on over these days when we particularly think of the Lord's table. And when we think this evening of whose we are in Christ. And that phrase alone occurs in Ephesians over 20 times. In Christ. To drive home to the young believers then and us this evening just whose we are and who we are. What happens when we come in faith to Jesus? We belong to him. We are in him. He is ours. We are his. And so I want us just to, to look at the major theme of this letter with you as we find it in, expressed in this prayer, the abundant riches we have in Jesus. Because I believe at times the world and the flesh and the devil want nothing more than to rob us of her sense of richness, to take from us our understanding of just who we are and whose we are. And if he achieves that, the devil is approaching a sense of satisfaction, if that's even possible, in his warped anti-Christ mindset, because he's going to upset the church, and he's going to have the church buffeted and battered. And we find that all over Paul's letters. In all of the churches he writes to, he's writing to encourage him and to remind them that the Lord Jesus is the source of the church's power. And as you read Ephesians, you'll hear Paul saying, don't go it alone. Draw on the resources he has for you. And if you read from the beginning, you'll have seen already at the very beginning of this letter, his great statement, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And he spends the rest of the letter unpacking that for us to make it abundantly clear what that means. And here in this prayer we see a little bit of it. So let's just think first of all uh, of two things this evening. Our great wealth. And then ultimately, of course, the greatness of God. Because that's where this letter takes us. So Paul, in this, his second prayer in this letter to young Christians, we're not going to talk about Ephesus tonight. That'll be for, for Kenny and James. will take you through that, no doubt, far better than I could. Let's just consider what he says in writing to the Christians who were there and that we can take to heart tonight. We see that in this prayer, as well as it being personal, it's also specific. 
I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. And so he's, he's, he's being personal, but he's also being very specific. And that tells us right away, it's an amazing thing eh, to talk to people for God and about God. But it's a greater thing still to talk to God for people. And we shouldn't underestimate that and, uh, and we should not forget that. Sometimes perhaps Christians, we can be tough on ourselves, too tough, thinking, what can I do? How can I express this? I wish I could speak like she could. I wish I could have said what he said. And, and it can be frustrating when it comes to sharing our faith and trying to express the gospel to people. Well, take that frustration to God and pray for the people that you were hoping to speak to. Who knows how God would be pleased to use that. And with this, this marvellous flow of language that is both personal and specific, Paul here expresses something more of this theme. What's in his heart? And what he's expressing is the great wealth of each believer. He is praying that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. It just keeps on giving, doesn't it? Phrase after phrase after phrase, loaded with theology, full of promise after promise, full of teaching, full of encouragement. This is Christian's. This is the Christian in prayer for, for other Christians. Could he ask for more? Could he ask for better than what he asks for here? And it's wonderful that what he does as, as he begins to pray for, uh, for this, we begin to appreciate our great wealth, the wealth of each believer, a spiritual wealth. Here then we are directed to the source of our power. For he says in, in verse 16 that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. There's the source for our power, which is why we don't go it alone. We don't say, we can do this. Let's do that. And then not pray and not think and not engage in fellowship and not engage in reasoning and think, well, will that work? Is that a great idea? Let's, let, let, let's see, can we staff the idea? Do we have the right people? If we don't have the right people, who does have the right people? And so ideas are, are thrown around and the idea that just begins can take shape and be moulded into a strategy that would then be achievable and, and in God's grace and dependent on the Spirit, something that will bring a great harvest in the work of any congregation. So we are directed to the Spirit as our source for power. And the reason why the church is to face the world with this assurance and confidence is because of the amazing wealth we have. What we read in this prayer is Paul saying, remember this wealth, it's yours. Christ died to secure this for you, so use it. That's what he's been saying in the letter up until this point. So we could say, so, so what's in the bank? What do we have? What, what is it that, that makes us use the, the language of spiritual wealth? What's really credited to our account? What he's already said up to this point. Christian friend, you are chosen. You are adopted. You are accepted in the beloved. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are sealed. You have this. This is not a negotiation. This is not a discussion. 
It's an announcement. You have this. This is what's in the bank. This is what's credited to your account in his spirit. And so having all this, being redeemed and forgiven and being sealed, we have been given, he's given his son for us. What more could we possibly want? What more could we possibly want? Sometimes perhaps we might lose this perspective. Sometimes we might face the indifference and intolerance and atheism and unbelief and sheer apathy that we come across when we engage in spiritual things. And we think, oh, how do we, what do we, where do we? We come back to passages like Ephesians in chapter 3. We remind ourselves of the spiritual wealth that is ours. And we read this prayer that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, it's one thing to talk of our great wealth. Let's focus now for the rest of our time on the greatness of our God. Because that's where this prayer takes us. The reality to grasp and live by and come to God is one of faith. And this prayer focuses on what the church is here to learn. We're here to learn and grow up in Christ. Toward the end of this letter itself, uh, that's the phrase he uses, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. As we reflect on these things, as we grow spiritually, and as we receive this strength, as we know this prayer to be answered in our experience, in our fellowship, in our spiritual walk, what happens is that in chapter 4 verse 15, we grow up, uh, we grow up in every way into him. And as we grow up into him who is the head, into Christ, so it is that we do not give the devil opportunity. That's what he goes on to say. So we can see, as we grow and as we are strengthened, we give the devil less opportunity to have his way with us. We block off his approaches to our imagination. We block off his attempts to have us fearful and timid and uncertain and afraid when we have the riches of Christ at our disposal indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It's sometimes, you could say, without being blasé and without in any way being proud about any of this, isn't it right to develop a perspective that says, we've got all this. We've got God. We are resourced. We have the riches of Christ within us. And we have been sent to share the unsearchable riches of Christ with anyone who will give us the time of day. What chance do they have to stand against us? What chance indeed? Well, what does he say about as we come to it? As we go into the detail, the mechanics of it, what we find him here saying, he prays for strength, he prays for stability, he prays for insight, and he prays that we would know fullness. That's where this prayer goes, that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. What a way to face the weak. What a way to face the unbelievers around us. What a way, Christian friends, to approach any opportunity to share your, your faith and your testimony and your story with those who will give you the opportunity to do so. What then does he ask? Strength. Let's just look at that for a moment. We don't go our way. We don't try and do things in our alone. We don't rely on our strength. That's the recipe for disaster and a guarantee of failure. We draw on the resources he has for us. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so we focus in on that. And of course that gives us 
the foundation upon which to discuss with other believers of other denominations who may come and say, well, that's great, but what about the additional pieces? And Not like the Pharisees did, but nowadays you might come up against people more of the, the Pentecostal mindset, those of a strict Baptist mindset, who may talk about the insistence of believers' baptism, who may talk about the gift of tongues, who may talk about the second blessing. Take them to Ephesians 1. Three, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This is what we have. This is who we are. And with that in mind, Paul then turns here and prays that he may grant you to be strengthened with power. Does anyone here not need to be strengthened tonight? Anyone want a show of hands in any Christian fellowship? Do you need to be strengthened tonight for your walk with the Lord? No, I'm strong enough. I've never heard anyone say that. And I would seriously doubt their understanding if they did think they didn't need strength. He says, be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. He wants us to be fit and ready for service. Strengthening is a process. Now we know as Christians that the the scripture talks about being being sanctified. Sanctification itself is both instantaneous and progressive. You are set apart, Christian friend. But your sanctification, your growth and maturing up into him is ongoing. And part of this side of the coin involves strengthening. That's why gyms are so popular today. People go there not because they are as strong as they can be. Because they want to get stronger. It takes time. It takes energy, it takes effort. You've got to put in to get strong. What's one thing that the army, to share another little story with you, is very good at? It takes basic raw recruits. You could probably be like that pillar and couldn't carry 20 pounds of weight. And in a process of time, they can run with 50 pounds and cover 8 miles in less than 2 hours. That's the basic fitness test. Basic. That's what happens with the army. It's a process. Basic training, 1986, in my experience, was horrendous. Because they take you to the bottom of a hill and cater it called the snake. And it's called the snake because it just goes like that, like that, like that, like that. And you're looking like, where's the top? It's up there somewhere in the mist. And they say, go. And you're just hanging out in trainers and gym shoes and shorts and a t-shirt. Then they say, next time you're in boots with a pack. And in a process of time, you go from being half dead going up that hill to running up, and you could run up it three or four times. It's a strengthening process. And Paul is here committing us to looking to God to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So don't go into the weak, friends. Don't go and say, that's me. Communion's over. I'm good to go to the next communion. That's not going to work. That is not going to work. Keep on being strengthened. How do we do that? The means of grace. Fellowship. The word. Prayer meetings. Engaging in the work of the congregation. Doing your part. Not sitting back saying, give me what I want. But going to someone and saying, what can I do? Come forward with your ideas. We say this in Leith all the time. There's no such thing as a bad idea here. In Leith we're hanging on. We're hanging on for dear life, as many churches are nowadays. It's language we're familiar with. We feel we've really, we've, we are in a precarious situation here as, as a congregation. And so we say to the people, there's no bad ideas here. None. If you've got an idea, you think it might work, come and tell us. 
That's part of the strengthening process. We remember that Christ purchased this church with his own blood. It's a precious thing we belong to. He bought us with his own blood. And so let us not sit back that as we seek to be strengthened with power through his spirit and our inner being, with Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. This is the language of overflowing. My cup is overflowing. This prayer just keeps on giving, rooted and grounded in love. Then may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. See the corporate language here? He's looking at fellowship. He's not looking at a believer stuck in a corner somewhere. He's looking at believers being together. Brother and sister in Christ together. Left and right. Helping one another. Aware of one another. Conscious of one another. Particularly taking care of one another. If you know someone's struggling, don't wait for someone else to help them. Ask if you can help. And if you don't know how to, tell someone who you think might be able to. We must look out for one another and help one another. That comprehend with all the saints the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ. That surpasses knowledge. There are people today who know nothing of the love of Christ. I was with friends this afternoon and two of certain individuals and representatives of the JWs came to the door while we were chatting. They are people who know nothing of the love of Christ and have nothing to offer and nothing of value to say to people, yet they are out there chapping doors. Had them at our own door in Musselburgh two weeks ago. Same empty-headed stuff. Nothing to say to people about Jesus. Nothing. After five or six or seven minutes of this emptiness, my wife Aileen eventually said to them, What about Jesus? Oh yes, him too, him too. Now we are way beyond that, friends. We know about the love of Christ. We know about the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. We know something of the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is the good deposit that's been committed to us. Do we bury it in a field and keep it? We protect it, we nourish it, we assert, maintain and defend it. We teach it and we share it. And above all, we live it. As we live it strengthened with his power in the spirit through our inner being. Who knows the effect that could have on the community in which we're part. Who knows how God would be pleased to bless that witness. So there is a prayer here for strength. Uh, it's, very, it's very reminiscent um, uh, to Paul's language in his very last letter to young Timothy. Reminding him God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power of love and a sound mind. It's also reminiscent of the language, my grace is sufficient for you, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. So, friends, we face difficult times, challenging times. We face times when we may not be sure of what's going on, but we don't face them alone. But it's not just all about strength. And any physical training instructor, not my favourite people in the planet, I'll tell you that for nothing, but when they get alongside, of course, they don't just talk about strength. They talk about stability, core strength. And that's also in this prayer in verse 17 with the language that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you will be rooted and grounded in love. It's not just about overpowering people and bursting through walls and smashing down barriers and taking people by force. There's a stability prayed for here. And so we focus right in on the quality of our personal relationship with Jesus. That's where this verse takes us. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That word there, dwell, 
It's a wonderful word. It's rich. It's full. It means literally in its root meaning to settle down, to feel at home. See what he's saying? So that Christ may settle down and be at home where? In your heart. Through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Now we're beginning to get some. We not just have strength for the course, for the battle, for what's ahead. We have the stability of a personal relationship with Jesus. That's the type of relationship Paul longs to see in their young lives. And that's the type of relationship that affects change in homes, businesses, and communities and countries. Because it's a change of heart. And Christ is at the center. So there's strength prayed for here. There's stability. Um, and this stability is about having a deep and deepening faith. It's wonderful language that you would be rooted and grounded in love. There is how we grow in a stable fashion up into Christ. Remembering his love for us. And giving thanks that we know and love him. Rooted and grounded in love. It's, uh, I was remembering um, recently, as before we left, Afghanistan uh, in 2016 there was a tree planting ceremony at one of the chapels in an American base that we shared uh, it was a joint deployment with Scottish and Americans working together and uh, the, the Afghans said we will plant a tree now there are two things Afghan people are very good at fighting and gardening they, can probably, they could probably make something grow out of that carpet it's incredible you look at a desert and you think there's rocks and nothing could live here. And you go past there and a week later there'll be a beautiful patch of grass. You're like, how do they do it? But this day we're standing outside the chapel. It's very stony and then it just looked, it looked bleak. You thought, you can you? and they're digging away and thinking, I was in my ignorance stand. That's, oh, well, it's nice looking. There's a fig tree. It's about that high, and I said, poor thing's going to be dead in probably a month. But I got an email about six months later saying, McLeod, you ought to see this fig tree, by the way. It's absolutely flourishing. It's full of leaves and fruit. It's incredible. Because they knew what they were doing. What had they done? They had dug down, and they'd established its root, where the root needed to be established for growth. Friends, what are we told here? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now having that love in mind may have strength again to comprehend with all the saints, your brothers and sisters, the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. As Paul is thinking on this and praying, it's as if he cannot contain himself. The language just seems to be caught up and running into each other. One sentence, it's almost not, he's moving on before he finishes a thought and moving on and moving on because he's so caught up with the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So he wants strength, he wants stability, he prays for insight. Let's leave insight, let's just go straight to the fullness. And just think finally this. Verse 19, look at this prayer. That you would know this process of the sanctification of strength and insight, stability, and now fullness. Fullness. As we grow up in Christ, so we experience the fullness of God. Isn't that what he's telling us tonight? 
Is that not what the scripture is saying to us? Paul's prayer for these new Christians? Was that, was that just a special prayer? Was that an apostolic prayer? Was that an, an Ephesian Christian prayer? No, it was not. This is the word of God to the people of God. And so we take this to ourselves. We seek this process of being strengthened and knowing stability, insight. And where does it lead? leave us? To be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. This just keeps on giving. Warfield, in writing, it said this. Christianity is not a program of conduct. It is the power of a new life. It is the power of a new life. And where does that new life come from? It comes from the Spirit, as we've seen already in verse 16. That he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. And that strength and stability and insight leads us ultimately here to being filled with all the fullness of God. How long do we have? Not long enough, do we? I don't mean tonight. I mean life. How in our lifetime do we begin to understand what's said here? To comprehend being filled with the fullness of God. And that's what Paul is praying for. He's aiming high, isn't he? Aim high. Don't aim low and hope for something. Aim high and expect something. As we grow up then, friends, in Christ, so we experience the fullness of God. God is the limit to this fullness. Dare anyone put a limit on it? We receive from him as we walk with him. God's goodness is both generous and genuine. He not only gives with an open hand, one writer said, but he gives with a full heart. How often have you sung Psalm 23? In that wonderful verse that speaks of something about this, my table thou hast furnished in presence of my foes, my head thou dost with oil anoint, and my cup overflows. The fullness of God, the richness that is ours, and the greatness of our God. A Christian friend, a very experienced Christian friend I was speaking to a few weeks ago, she said, if you ever feel intimidated in life, read Ephesians 1. And if you're still intimidated, read Ephesians 1. And if you're still intimidated, read Ephesians 1. So I got the message. I said, wow. And then you read Ephesians 1, and you have the foundation for everything that's coming in this letter. And of course, your foundation is verse 7, in him... In him again, that phrase, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Wow, that's as good as it gets. That's the theology of the New Testament in a nutshell, in a sentence. And here Paul is unpacking it more and more and more. And it just keeps on coming. So then this prayer closes with this note of abundance without measure. We don't even have time to go into verses 20 and 21. But Paul is again setting the context and saying, don't think small in your prayer. Don't think small in your planning as a people. Don't think small in your fellowship. Don't be, don't be isolated. Don't be weak. Don't be hesitant. Don't be selfish. Don't be afraid. But together, together, grow rooted in the love of Christ and seek this fullness of God. As you tackle life, 
As you live life. Remember that old Pepsi advert, live life to the max. Here's the key to that. Not drinking Pepsi, but this, the fullness of God. So where do we go with it? We've looked to God for his blessing and guidance in his word and sacrament these past days. And now we face life. Tuesday's coming. And Wednesday's coming. Thursday's coming. The week is approaching. We don't know what that week holds. But he does. How do we face it? We face the week with Christ dwelling in our hearts. And we face the week with a Saviour who according to the riches of his glory will grant us to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in our inner being. We don't face the week alone. One lovely story just to finish and share with you. I read some time ago of a French resistance fighter who in the war put it all on the line by, as a radio operator for the resistance. Every time they switched that wireless on, their life was in danger because the Germans were getting better and better at direction finding and tracking them down. And of course, if they were caught with a wireless, they were shot on sight. Every time he put that wireless on, every time he turned the button, he knew his life was on the line. And as a radio operator, he had a logbook. And he knew the code word he was waiting for because he'd been dropped in behind enemy lines. The, the Brits and the French together were feeding and resourcing the resistance to keep them going. And he said the one phrase we're waiting for was the dice are on the carpet. Because that was the prearranged signal in code to tell the resistance D-Day's coming. And he spoke in such you know, emotion about turning the, 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 turning the switch putting on the headset and hearing the words, the dice are on the carpet. And he said in his interview, for the first time in my life, I knew the future. It's wonderful. Now we don't know the future, but God does. May that be enough for us. Let us pray. Lord our God, we thank you that though we do not know of what may be coming on this week or month ahead, you do. And Lord, we ask that you would bless us richly as we seek your face and seek this strengthening, this stability, this insight, this fullness. May we seek always the fullness of God. And may we have in our hearts a restlessness as we seek to know your fullness in our experience. Lord, may this prayer be our prayer. And may we, Lord, as we grow and, uh, and as we know strength and as we develop our stability, as we continue to grow up into Christ, may we all the more be people at peace and at rest, not wrangling and wrestling and fearful and wondering about the future, but resting in you, knowing that whatever is coming, you know. And may that be enough for us. Make us, Lord, ever mindful of you. And keep us from wandering away from these wonderful, stabilizing, strengthening, encouraging words. As we go into the week ahead to face all, may we do so with joy, thanksgiving, and anticipation. For Jesus' sake. Amen. We'll close our service this evening and we'll sing from Psalm uh, 28 in the Psalter, Psalm 28 from verse 6.
The last four verses, verse 6 to verse 9. Forever blessed be the Lord, for graciously he heard the voice of my petitions and prayers did regard our promise that God hears us. These wonderful words from verse 6 to 9 to the praise of God. Forever blessed be the Lord, for Yeah.